Welcome into Jets Nation Radio, sponsored by Betway. Make sure you like and subscribe to Jets Nation Radio so you never miss a podcast. Welcome into Jets Nation Radio. As always, I'm Angus Hout, joined by Ray Howe and a brand new guest, and hopefully a little bit more permanent guest. We got Evan from Jets Empire and Blue Bombers Nation. Welcome, Evan. How's it going? Pretty good. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, we're real excited to have you. Like I've been watching your stuff for a little while here. I'm just like, man, I'd like to get that kid onto a podcast. And I'm kind of glad that uh, it just all worked out. And hopefully we'll see some of your articles over at JetsNation.ca right away here. I still got to shake down one of the bosses. But uh, So I, I, you're from uh, Winnipeg, correct? Yes, I was born and raised in Winnipeg. All right on. So are you, do you mind what part of the city? Mind me asking what part of the city you're you're in? First half of my life, I lived in Winnipeg, but I kind of moved into, do you know where St. Anne is? Yeah, I know where St. Anne is. Yeah, I live out there. Okay, sweet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right on. And uh, what was your dream job as a kid? I believe at first I wanted to be a police officer. Classic. And I kind of changed into more hockey-based stuff, yeah. like writing, broadcasting, kind of stuff like that. Did you ever play hockey, or is it just like I I never I, played? I'm currently playing hockey. Oh right, I on still her... play hockey. Oh sweet, so like yeah, <laughs> we finally have a hockey player on this uh, podcast. <laughs> uh, what, what what position do you play? Tendy. Tendy. Ooh yeah, I love a good tendy. So we'll have some good uh, good arguments over here about uh, the goaltending here in the city, eh? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, favorite Jets goaltender of all time. Connor Hellebuck. Connor Hellebuck, you love to easy hear pick. It. Very easy pick, but how can you not like Connor Hellebuck? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, is there a favorite restaurant you have here in Manitoba? I'm gonna go with the old Spaghetti Factory at the Forks. There, Ooh, a classic. Everyone loves that one. What is your favorite kind of cheese? Uh, probably mozzarella. Mozza, I would say. Yeah. Any any particular way you like it, or are you just like grab that as a shredded cheese and just shove it back yeah pretty much yeah <laughs> i love it all right uh you went to jets development camp this week uh yes i did or i guess just this yesterday but was there any of those players that stood out towards you one that really like stuck out for me was definitely rutger mcgrady he was so effective in the corners like his physical his physical attributes to on the ice in the corners is absolutely outstanding. And I think he would be really great in the Jets roster if he's really physical in those corners. He can protect the puck well. He plays the body very well. He just really stood out in the corners for me. I remember a lot of people saying that his skating wasn't really up to snuff just yet. Do you think that's something that's still affecting him, or has his skate- skating gotten a lot better? I thought his skating was really good yesterday. I thought skating was very well, yeah. But I don't know. I mean, I think he just needs to work on getting those pucks to the point or to his wingers faster. He just Sometimes I noticed he would lose the puck. And he just needs to be, be a bit quicker with those decisions, I think. So just, Okay, I, I like that, the, the brutal honesty there. You met a couple of the guys. Uh, was there anyone besides Rutger that stood out, like just meeting them and quickly talking to them or even just taking the selfies? It had to be Thomas Miller. He's just in general a very nice guy. Like he just he was very welcoming and he kind of just like was a really nice person and someone you want to be around a lot. So he was really awesome. kind. So do you think like yeah. the locker room of the Jets is going to change within the next 
three to five years to the point where like everyone in Winnipeg with the Jets organization, just a good dude, but also can play really hard. Yeah, I, th- I could see the locker room changing, but I'm not sure yet since we're, we still have guys like Mark Shifley. We still have lots of guys from our main core from like 2018 to 2023 up till now. And we are still under Kevin Sheveldayoff. So I don't know if anything will change unless we kind of mess around with our core a bit or change who's at front office. Yeah, well, I was going to say, like, I mean, you remove Blake Wheeler, the pseudo-captain of this team, without mm-hmm. that letter. I, I don't know. I think there's a big change that's going to come. Like, you, Blake Wheeler is such an iconic part of this team for so long that I think you have to look at a major shift. Yeah. Okay, so Ray, let's get you back in on this. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you, uh first of all, before we get to you, uh make sure you check out Betway uh out in Ontario. Go check out the latest NHL futures odds, maybe make some bets on the CFL cuz let's face it, the CFL, great great league. Love it. Bombers won the other night. So, go go bet on the Bombers if you're over in Ontario. Uh why do you think Milnick got drafted so late by the Jets? Yeah. Uh, Milich really had a great year, but he's a double overager, and I think that there's a big bias in goalies on size. Milich is only six foot, and you don't see a lot of six foot goalies getting drafted or seeing their success stories. Like, there's a couple, like UC Soros, but those kind of goalies, like, they seem to be more of a long shot to make it to the league. But I think Milich had a really great season. And he was the WHL goalie of the year for a reason. You don't just earn that without being a good goaltending. Like, sure, the team has a good effect on how good the team is for overall. But as a goalie, you're getting that award. You're doing something good and playoff MVP. So I think it was mostly just his size. And, like, it, there's nothing that seems to be a red flag about him. And just being a great person overall, too. Like, he doesn't have an ego... He's just a great overall person and a great goalie. So the only thing I can think of is just him being six foot and not being six three. I heard somebody make the argument that he had too good of a team in front of him. And maybe that's something that we should be a little bit weary about just because, you know, if you got the Thunderbirds in front of you, all of a sudden you're going to be that much better. You're going to have that big save percentage and almost look like Connor Hallibuck in a few years where maybe he's making these big saves, but, if the defense yeah. in front of him isn't awesome, we might be looking at a similar situation. And I mean, go- goalies are just voodoo in general, right? Yeah. Goalies are tend to be like, it's like you, you could pick one in the first round and you could have a Malcolm Subban or you can pick one in the first round and they become a Vasilevsky. Like there's no guarantee on who the goalie is going to become in the future. It's all that mental game. Like you can have all the skill in the world, but you need to have that mental facility to be able to, be consistent game in and game out and just be an overall difference maker to your team. And I feel like Milich really has that kind of drive in him where every single season he got better and then he drove his team to the postseason and into the Memorial Cup. Like he won playoff MVP. Like if Seattle was so good, you would see someone like Brad Lambert or Gunther winning that award. But Milich was their most important player into that playoff. So I think that they had a really good team. But I don't think that's a, like a discredit on Milich. I think it's a more of a bonus on Milich that he was more important to that team than the players that were so good. 
Evan, you got any thoughts on uh, why he got drafted so late? One, I believe that some goalies, goalies in general, just take a longer time to develop than just players in general because goalies need all these aspects to be strong. And like Ray said, he's only six foot. Majority of the goalies getting drafted are like six foot four, like Connor Hellebuck. He's a really big guy. And you look at Linus Allmark, who won the Vesna, he's six foot five. Like, these guys are really big. And like I said, goalies take longer time to develop those skills, especially when you need to look at all these factors you need to be a goalie. Like, you need strong hips, you need strong legs, you need to be quick. But also, if you look at the small guys, small goalies are a lot quicker because they're obviously smaller. So another thing that uh, I believe scouts would look at is their size and their quickness. But the thing about small goalies is that they're small. But then you look at the big goalies, they're not as fast as the small goalies. So that's the thing that scouts look at. You want quickness and you want tallness yeah, as a goalie. You, that makes sense. I mean, Edmonton had that really tall goalie a few seasons back. Uh, he was like 6'7", just a monster. Can't yeah, remember. Koskinen. Koskinen. Uh, yeah. Miko. Yeah. And I mean, like, 6'7", not going to win you a whole lot of games, that guy, unfortunately. So yeah. you know, sometimes your six-foot goalies are the way to go. How tall are you there, Evan? 5'10". 5'10". So do you find as a young amateur player, like, that's something that really hinders you from taking, like, that next step forward? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have height in the net. I could definitely cover off the angles properly, but just, like, the quickness is not there yet. Like, I still got to work on a lot of quickness stuff, but the height for me is definitely there. One more question about Rutger McGrady. On a scale of 1 to 10, how likely is it that he gets a letter on his chest before he's 25? I would say an 8. An 8 out of 10. Because in this development camp, you kind of saw what kind of person he is, and he is very enjoyable to be around. And it was kind of shown from all the players in the development camp. And he's it's one of those characters that it's so easily to be around, so easily to talk to, that he kind of shows factors of being a leader when he gets onto the Jets roster. So I could possibly see him in the next, like, five years with an A on his chest for sure. Nice. Uh, yeah. Ray, what are, you, what are your what's your uh, scale? Yeah, uh, my scale is going to be a little bit more pessimistic. Not that I don't believe in him. But I think that there's a lot, like a lot of players that are currently on the roster that might have letters up at that point. So I'd give it around like a four out of ten, just because I feel like if you're gonna have Lowry slash Morsi as the captains and like the assistant, that's already two of your letters right there, and you're not gonna strip them when McGrady gets here. And then you have a lot of other young players coming in, and you have a lot of players like you can easily say that like Connor or Ehlers deserves an A. You could say that DeMello earns an A. Like, there's so many players on this team that were very effective this year that I don't think that you can strip an A from someone to be like, here, McGrody, you're 24 years old, you deserve an A. So I'm not saying that he won't deserve to get an A, but there's going to be so many leaders on this team that he might just be one of those players that you say, hey, this guy deserves to have an A on his jersey, but we're just so much of a team right now that we don't need to have everyone have that letter. Do you think that's like something that Gen Z has over millennials and Gen Xers where, you know, they just happen to have that leadership quality ingrained in them already and just have that looseness about them? Because like, 
obviously there's a huge difference between Connor McDavid and Rucker McGrory, but you know, you've got your robots of my generation and you look at the Gen Z generation, you guys are so much more fun when it comes to hockey players. Yeah. Yeah. I think it just comes down to, I feel like they have a more like closeness to each other. Like I feel like Connor McDavid was someone that like you lead by example, like he would, kind of set out what he wants his team to be and kind of be that player that is just a role player for what people want to become. And I feel like the new age of like the McGrody's and the Barlow's is like, yeah, they might do a slight bit of that. Like they want to make sure that their team is going on the right path, but I think they're going to have a lot more personal relations with their players and be a lot more like, like you said, like less human or less uh, robotic in some ways. So they're going to take pictures of everyone. You saw it at the camp where all these players were going around taking pictures and talking to people. And I feel like that's a great thing. And I think that's the main difference that we're seeing in the new NHL. Evan? I completely agree because now you look at all these new guys coming in. They're definitely a lot different than, let's just say, guys from 2005 up to 2013, for example. Like you look at new guys like, for example, um, yeah, Rutger McGordy, he's like completely different than, let's just say, Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid, on the other hand, has all these skills and all these attributes that he's a great leader for Edmonton. That's why he's the captain of the team. But then you look at McGordy, he is still young and developing. And yeah, he just, he's, he's young and he's developing these skills. And yeah, I would, I would, I can't see him with an A, honestly, now. Thinking about you have Morrissey, Lowry, DeMello, Ehlers, Connor, all these guys who are going to be with us still for a long time now, maybe. I guess I should have given the example between Bedard and Connor McDavid because Bedard was yeah. already dunking on, uh, what's his name, Biznet? Buddy from Spain, yeah. I yeah. don't care about because I've never listened to one of their podcasts. Because uh, I'm the best podcast out there. Suck it there, spitting chicklets. I don't care. Yeah, I, I mean, like, I just like this new generation of players, and I really hope the NHL becomes a fun league rather than the no-fun league that we've been for the last 30 years or since I've been yeah. around. The Jets had two guys file for arbitration, Morgan Barron, Dan Velarde. Uh We good about this? Uh, like, How much money do you think those guys earn on their contracts after going to arbitration, or do they even make it to arbitration? Yeah, I don't think the Jets are going to try to, like, push it to arbitration because I think the Jets have a lot of history with arbitration. Jacob Truba comes to mind a lot. So I think they want to avoid that type of arbitration because it's not always a fun thing to do because you're kind of arguing with the other side saying, I think I'm worth this and we say you're worth this and you're not really meeting eye to eye. So I think that the Jets want to make it so they have these players signed before their arbitration cases. I'm not sure how much Velarde will get because his season was really good and a lot of good defensive metrics and it's just becoming one of his own players now and he could really boom next year. So it depends on the length of that deal. So that deal could be all over the place, but I feel like Baron would probably be somewhat around where Sandberg got like that two, three year deal in the like mid to high $1 million range, but it depends if they want to go long-term again. So it was really up to, the player and the team on what direction they want to go with long-term or if they want to kind of keep these players on similar deals to have more cap to build their team. 
Yeah, I actually completely agree because you definitely want to have Morgan Barron and Gabriel Velarde signed. Also, Gabriel Velarde can have a career season, which I believe he will with the Winnipeg Jets. And also, you don't want to go into this argument where this player thinks he's worth this much, and then we think that he's worth this much, and then we don't have him signed by then. And then it's kind of like the Jacob Truba situation that one time. So, yeah, you definitely want these guys signed before then. Oh, 100%. And, mm-hmm. yeah, there's nothing worse than going into arbitration to tell, you know, some 20-some-year-old kid to be like, yeah, well, here's where you suck. Uh, so, yeah, I'm really hoping that they get it through before that point, but we'll see what happens. I, I Both guys I could see signing for two, maybe three years, as yeah. both, both under uh, – Morgan Barron I could see earning like $2.5, $2.3 million dollars. Just because you know he has that all that upside, and Velarde being young and a defensive forward, you just don't get paid for defense in this league for whatever reason. And you might be the best defensive forward in the world, you're still not going to make that big boy Angus, change. Do you know how many points the uh, Velarde had last year, or are you kind of forgetting here? I'm forgetting. <laughs> he had forty, like forty-one points in like sixty-something games, oh, shit. playing third-line minutes. So. I, like if I had to guess a contract, like if I'm like required to do this here, I'd say like a four year deal in like the like in between five and six mil. I think that's kind of wow where really? it might yeah wow yeah you're all in on this guy, eh? Yeah, like you like he's gonna and he's gonna get paid like like you don't want to wait around to get this guy signed in. If like every single Jets fan, I feel like is gonna say like this guy could really become something. Like he was a third liner on. LA in a very defensive role and had 40 points. If he gets first line time and or second line time playing at Ehlers or Connor, like he's going to have so much more opportunity with just the line mates, his ice time and power play time that like this guy could really burst. And like, if you only give him like a two year deal in the $4 million range and he gets like 60 points one year and then he gets 70 points the next year, are you really going to want to pay like what Dubois is making if he wants that? So I feel like getting that four-year deal, you might overpay in the first couple of years because the cap is going to go up as well. So I feel like getting him on a, like a four-year deal around that like five to six million dollar range, like you might be overpaying that first year, but then every single year after that, you're going to be like, damn, we're paying him like 5.5 million for the next three years. And he just put us up 60 points. Like that's a great contract. And we don't have to worry about him leaving in a couple of years. So I feel like you just got to get that contract signed. Well, I appreciate that. The only thing with the cap going up is everyone thinks that they deserve that piece of the pie. It's going up by $4 million. I'm getting paid an extra $4 million. And my concern is Mark Shifley, when we get to the end of his contract, he's going to be like, listen, I took a discount for $6 million. I deserve, you know, I would say probably nine plus. Yeah. He thinks he's worth that for whatever reason. I mean, he might be worth that. I mean, he just had 40, what, 43 goals? I think 42, yeah. 42, 43 goals, yeah. whatever it was. And if he has another excellent season and let's just say the Jets go on a run, he's going to want to get paid. And, you know, mm-hmm. that's going to suck. Yeah. So the cap going up is a good thing in one sense, but at the same time, there's a couple of guys that think they really deserve all of that extra cash. If and when it becomes available. Yeah. Logan Stanley and Declan Chisholm 
uh, decided not to go into arbitration. Do you, those guys stick around or what's uh, what's up with them? No idea. <laughs> but like the thing with Logan Stanley is he just got passed in the depth chart, like, and he was just injured. So I feel like his opportunity is going to be really limited. I feel like he's a seven defenseman on the Jets, and I feel like he's the type of player like we saw in the season where he's like, yeah, I could, like, I could use a trade to kind of get out of this situation and get more ice time. We didn't Logan see that Stanley trade over, yet. Uh, Kyle Capabianco. Kyle Capabianco is not also uh, starting defenseman. He has one more year, yes, but there's just no point on signing Logan Stanley when you have already six NHL defensemen and you have Kyle Capabianco on your seventh spot. He's a solid seventh defenseman. Let's remember that too. Like I was yeah, never so, worried with him yeah. when he to play. So yeah. like, you got to move on from, you have to move on from Logan Stanley at this point. I don't care what anyone yeah. says. Mm-hmm. And like with Chisholm, like he's a really good defenseman. Like I feel like he could be a really good, almost like a Schmidt type player where he plays on the both sides on that bottom pair and can be just like a good steady defenseman. He might not be super flashy, but again, like with this log jam, like how many defensemen are we talking about here? We have six starters and then we are talking about Logan Stanley. We're talking about Chisholm. We're talking about Hainola. We're talking about Capo Bianco. Like, there's just so many defensemen in this system that their opportunity is not going to be there for everyone. And we saw that with the Gionk trade, where we just exchange him for a younger version to play it with the Moose and hopefully kick this this uh, rock down the road, so we don't have to deal with it. So, again, like these. Guys are good players, but the logjam just doesn't help them in any way. And it doesn't help the Jets in any way, where they're kind of just losing away this talent that they don't know that they may have with Logan Stanley, Chisholm, Hainola. And what players are they going to become with this limited role that they're getting with the Jets? Do you think maybe one of them could get sent away with Nate Schmidt? Like, I know a lot of the no. cap. No? Not even no, that. I don't think... I don't think Nate Schmidt is getting moved. It's just like, he's such a good character guy. He's a locker room guy. And his contract's going to be big to move. So as much as it would be the easy thing to say, oh, just trade away Nate Schmidt and like give something else and get rid of him. But he's not a bad defenseman. No, he's not. I think like, that's I'm not just... trying to rip on Nate Schmidt. I'm just, you got to open up some money somewhere eventually. Yeah. here, And you got to let your young guys play. And I know the Jets want to push for a Stanley Cup. Like, that's the goal. And they might be able to do it, but you got to let those young guys play, see what they can do. All right. So Samberg signed for two years, $1.4 million. Evan, how do you like that deal? I actually really like it. Besides if you don't, if you don't, if you take away game three of the Vegas series, that unlucky bounce that caused the five, four overtime goal. I think he was really solid in the, the uh, regular season. I thought he did make some mistakes, but I believe he is a learning defenseman and he still needs to learn a lot in the NHL because he was in the he's with the Moose and now he's in the NHL and he's going to be in the NHL the Jets for the time time period he is with us now. But I do think he is still learning a lot while being in the National Hockey League. So he's going to still learn a lot and hopefully improve next season, which I think he will. 
yeah, he's a good young defenseman, and yeah, he's, he seems smart and he's eager to learn. So you like everything about the yeah, guy. yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, he brings. I have a story. different thought. Oh, let's hear your thought there, Ray. Yeah. yeah. Um, the contract. I I'm fine with the contract, but like it's kind of similar to that, like the, what Toronto did with Lilligren and Sandine, where they paid for two years. They're still RFA at the end of the contract, but I feel like if you could have paid for a couple of these UFA years, it would have been really good. Like I remember Angus, you were saying that you wanted him locked up for like an eight year deal at like the next $4 million. Deal I want to be an eight million or an eight year deal, not this one. Yeah, Sandberg's a really great defenseman, but I feel like we're gonna see a really big increase in what he's able to do. And then he's gonna be arbitration eligible when he's a twenty six year old. And I feel like he's going to get a really big payday there. So I feel like the contract itself isn't bad, but I feel like they should have really explored getting him signed to like a four-year deal or five-year deal around like $3 million. Like you may pay a little bit extra now for what he currently is, but then you're buying up those UFA years when in two years he could be worth like a $5 million defenseman if he really develops. So getting him for those three UFA years for the $3 million, like – that's the type of contract you need to be able to sign and be like, those types of contracts are what going to make us over to the top competitive in winning a Stanley Cup. As much as I agree with you on that, like I'd love to get him in on a good deal within the next, like, you know, for the next four years and overpay this year. Uh, I just struggle. Like there, there was only $9 million in cap space. So are you going to use, you know, just about 50% of your cap space on your one defenseman? And like, listen, I'll, go into the hills yelling about Dylan Sandberg and how great he's going to be. But I just right now you need to pay everyone. And if you had both Velarde and Sandberg come in at four something, you don't have much money left yeah. over for whoever else. You that's need where you, for that's where you trade Dylan. That's when you just trade Dylan's $3.9 million cap hit and you play one of Heinola or Chisholm and boom, everything is good. I still hate that you would rather see Brennan Dillon out. Like I know he'd be the easiest what? one to move, but man, don't don't lose Brennan Dillon. Like that guy is so heart and soul. You need that guy on the back end kicking ass. Oh yeah, you do. But some something's got to give. So it's and either our prospects or Dillon. Whatever Brennan Dillon costs you, like I I'll pay it. Like he is such a good contract. I'm just still upset that you still think that Brandon Dillon's a guy that should go. I know it'd be the easiest move, but darn it, you can't lose your big man that kicks ass and plays a really good defensive game on the second pair. Uh, yeah. okay. Who is the next young Jets player under the age of 23 to join the Jets full time? I could see maybe Brad Lambert. Brad Lambert being the next guy. Yeah. Up. Oh yeah, oh, for man. sure. <laughs> we saw him in the preseason and. I don't know if you guys remember, but there was a tic-tac-toe play against Edmonton in Winnipeg that one game. It was Lambert, Perfetti, and I think it was Dubois who finished it off. That was such a really nice play. I think Lambert would be perfect to come up into the roster. I'm going to say Chibrikov. Chibrikov. I feel like, yeah, I feel like Chibrikov, if he can really put together a, like a complete game in the Moose, like I wouldn't be surprised to see him get a couple games. And... I feel like a lot of Jets fans might see Chibrikov as a lower-level prospect compared to, like, the Chaz Lucius, the Brad Lambert, the McGroarty's, the Barlow's. But you got to remember, this guy was projected to be, like, a first-round pick. He dropped into the second round. 
he was the captain as well of the world junior team when they were playing there. So this guy also has leadership qualities. So I feel like this guy, if he can figure it all out, like he could be almost like that kind of Nick Ehlers type player, maybe that Nick Ehlers light, if that kind of player exists. But I feel like Chibrikov, just because I don't want to say all the players that could be like Chaz Lucius or these guys that have a really good chance. I want to talk about Chibrikov that may not get the the recognition that he could get on podcasts here. So I'm gonna go with Lucius. It's it just it's a yeah. slam dunk. But I mean Brad Lambert, he I don't know. Like it's gotta be one of those two guys that are gonna be up and probably I'd say like the next not this season coming up, but the season after that's when we're gonna see yeah. young guys. Yeah. Um, so if the current Jets right now, no trades, just signing the players that they have, where is your prediction on where they finish and kind of like the expectation you have going into the season on where, if they don't really change anything, so they're not trading Shifley, they're not trading Hellebuck, they just run it with the team they currently have. What's the expectation and where do you think they finish? Expectation is they go to the third round bare minimum. win the stanley cup well yeah obviously and realistically i could see them finishing second in the central i know like chicago's getting better i know nashville's getting better colorado's it feels like they're gonna take a step backwards minnesota who knows with them they're such a coin flip like (laughs) the central division is such a funny one to me but i think genuinely the jets could win it you know, under Rick bonus, they had a good system for them. And if everyone like wakes up for a full 82 games, this could seriously be a number one, number two team in the central division. Yeah. I mm-hmm. asked that because I remember in, at least with Columbus, like when Columbus had that year where they went all out, they had Panarin, Bobrovsky, Duchesne, like they lost all these pieces and they had this expectation that, yeah, this team's going to be garbage. Like this team isn't going to be good. And they defied those expectations and made it to the playoffs. And I think that's the year when they beat Tampa yep. in the first round. No, it was it might have been that one. I think it's the one after where they beat Toronto in the play-in round, actually, because I remember the Panarin Kucherov handshake. So <laughs> there it is. Yeah. But I feel yeah. But I feel like I personally wouldn't be that high in the Jets. I know you guys are a little bit more, probably a little bit more optimistic. I'd say like around third in the Central is kind of where I would see them squatting in. And I think that they like a good opponent they would probably have to face is Dallas. So I feel like that is the first round matchup that I'd predict. And I think it's going seven and the Jets win. And I don't know where it goes from there. I don't know. It's just like your, your team has gotten significantly better and more balanced this year and still under Rick bonus. And I don't know if you lose that, crappy energy that wheeler brought in and i'm again not trying to rip on the guy but he just brought something to that locker room that wasn't vibing with everyone yeah for whatever reason i just it, you know the third line is going to be what velardi larry and appleton like it's everything's just gotten so much better with this team that i can't say that you know i i, I still see them doing what they did in the first half of the season but doing that for a full 82 games because we have better yeah. people in the locker room yeah, we have better people, and I think we have a more complete lineup than before with the defensive players in Velarde and Ayafalo. So I think we have – it might not be as top-heavy as it was before, but I feel like 
we have a better chance at rolling out three forward lines that can punish you in scoring offense at any moment. You still have Ehlers, Connor, and Shifley as your big guys, so nothing's yeah. going to slow them down. And if Marcy has another phenomenal season, then yeah, who cares? Evan, where did the Jets finish this year? I'm thinking probably second or third. I like the changes they made. I thought they got a good deal with the Dubois trade. And I think that these additions will definitely balance out the team more. And I think we'll definitely have another good year. I'd say maybe 40 wins or more. That's my guess. And I think that we'll go to the second or third round for sure. I think we're pushing it this year. They're pushing it. I think this is the year they need to do it because if it's not going to be this year, then it won't be next year. Yeah. I mean, unless LB turns into an absolute stud. And I mean, he's going to be a great backup for the Jets. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But is he going to be able to fill the shoes of Connor Hellebuck? If Assuming Connor Hellebuck doesn't re-sign in Winnipeg? I wouldn't think so. I just think Brassois is a backup you can rely on, mm-hmm. but I don't think he can fill the starting position. I think the Jets will have to go out and sign a good goalie or get a good trade for Connor Hellebuck, which apparently they haven't gotten good offers yet for him. Yeah, it sounds like they're asking for too much for Connor Hellebuck, which, I mean, you kind of have to ask the world for Connor Hellebuck if you're going to uh-huh. get him to go play for your team. But then also you have to sign Connor Hellebuck after the fact and where are you going to find you know if you're going off of a Sorokin deal eight and a half million dollars for sure and you don't want to sign a goaltender to more than I'd say five years especially a goaltender going into his 30s all right silly summertime questions (laughs) who is your goat oh my okay um so goat being greatest of all time. Yeah. I'm going to interpret this in a different way. I'm going to I'm going to say Ehlers just because I remember watching Ehlers in that first round uh, again or no, second round against Montreal and just seeing that hit on Evans and I feel like my whole like mentality around like just how players can treat their opponents like how he protected uh, Evans on the ground where the big brawl broke out. I feel like he really commended a lot of people on how good players can be even though they're playing against each other. So I feel like Ehlers really changed how I look at kind of how opponents can face each other and still respect each other. So Nice. Mm-hmm. Evan, do you got a goat? I think for me, it's going to be Kyle Connor. And I think people are going to think that that's a weird take on my GOAT, but during the 21-22 season, obviously we didn't make the playoffs. We didn't have the greatest year. But someone who did have a curious season was Kyle Connor, almost scoring 50 goals. So for me, he was the funnest player to watch, and he made me really enjoy that season again, watching him, because it wasn't very enjoyable watching the Jets that year for me. Yeah, besides was, watching Kyle Connor, it was a real rough season, but yeah, you had Kyle yeah. Connor still doing his thing. And if he didn't get COVID, does he hit 50? Yes, nice, absolutely, absolutely. 
Uh, I'm sorry, but you guys are both wrong with your goats. It's Ryan Smith. Oh, my bad. <laughs> uh. Uh, yeah, Ryan Smith. I mean, he was a guy I grew up watching. He was my idol. Captain Canada, the flow, everything about Ryan Smith. I mean, getting his teeth knocked out in, you know, the in a game and then coming out two shifts later to go play. Like, what a beauty. Yeah, Ryan Smith. Good guy. Uh, if you could have a five band music festival, who is your lineup? I want to hear yours first, Angus. Oh, we've okay. been going first a lot. So, uh, I'm going with bands that are dead or alive, and you know, that's it. So, we would start with the tragically hip to just get everyone going, then we're gonna go with a little Johnny Cash just to slow it down just a little bit in the afternoon, and then I feel like Weezer would be a good pick out there. I'd want to finish off with the Foo Fighters and my fourth band. I don't know. We got to go a little bit silly here. I think the Killers would be fun. That'd be my five bands. Mine is a, mine is a lot more modern than that. <laughs> Sorry, uh, old man. I didn't. Uh, yeah. So mine, I I didn't like choose the order. I just kind of picked five bands. That's fair. So I have I have uh Nickelback in there. Classic. Uh, we got some T Swift just so we can have some karaoke type songs some sing yeah, I mean, the girls will love you for it too yeah i try to get songs or like artists that were not like the same genre so then i got my favorite band in there because i just had to i have the score in there i'm not sure but and then i have Coldplay in there because they're just kind of iconic with some of their songs and then for my one not alive artist i have avici avici i love Damn. it yeah <laughs> Evan, for me, I bands? yeah, I mean, I don't listen to a lot of bands in general. I just listen to whatever. I'm not really a music guy. Okay, that's but nice. for me, first I have ACDC. Can't go wrong with ACDC. Definitely okay. a classic. And then you have Aerosmith. Then in the afternoon, we're gonna listen to Nirvana. And then the final two bands in the evening is gonna be Guns N' Roses and One Republic. Damn, that's that's a great lineup there, buddy. I'll take that oh, any yeah. day of the week. And what is your favorite chip brand and flavor? Um, I it's gonna be barbecue. It really depends on what brand I'm feeling. So I feel like I've had a lot of good Lay's barbecue, but I really like Ruffles barbecue, and that's gonna be my answer. Evan, favorite chip? I gotta go Pringles and barbecue. Ooh, two barbecues. Now I'm gonna feel silly. Uh, we gotta go with Ms. Vicky's salt and vinegar. I know my mouth oh, is yeah. cut up afterwards, but darn it, I am having a good time. And it slows you down from eating too many chips at the same time, too. All right, boys. It's uh, That's the end of our podcast. Where can we find you guys on the internet? Evan, you go first. Like social medias? Yeah, what, what's your social medias? My social media is Jets Empire on Instagram. And on YouTube, it's Evan the Jets fan. All righty. And Ray? Oh, Ray, uh, Ray's laps, laptop has uh, restarted. Hey, if you want to follow Ray, you can follow him on Instagram at Ray Howe or Brad Lambert is him. Sometimes he does up questions and, you know, send him that uh, send him those questions we'll answer them mm -hmm. on the socials 
You can follow me, Angus Hout, Instagram and Twitter. I think Threads now, too. That's a thing. <laughs> um, and jetsnation.ca. Go check it out. Evan's going to be writing there. Uh, again, I just got to shake down a boss. We'll get you there. Uh, All right. Hey, I already told people where I'm they back. find you. Your laptop. <laughs> um, that's it. We That's all we've got. Uh, go check out Sports Bet or Betway, uh, online sports book. And yeah, have a fantastic week, guys. Go Jets, go. And we'll talk yeah. to you again next Sunday. Yeah, Peace. go Jets, go.